today, I feel like um, the Lord wanted me to talk about the family of God. We started last week talking about the family of God um, and we talked about the family being that everyone had a piece of the puzzle and that we're all called to be a part of the body of Christ. Today, I felt like the Lord wanted me to emphasize that the family of God is an army. The family of God is an army. Um, yeah, so last week we established that God is very interested in family. And what's possible, what the Bible said is, is possible for us as the family of God, as a church, as the believers on the earth, what is possible is that we would be one as Jesus and the Father are one. And what's possible is by the love that we have one for another, the whole world will know that we're his disciples. Okay, that's what the Bible tells me is possible. It's not what I see with my physical eyes when I look at the church in whole, but that's what's possible. So that's what I'm going after. That's what we all need to like see, read, believe and go after, yeah? And we established last week that there's three purposes for our lives apart from knowing God. Like that's the given. We're not going to talk about that today. But like you're alive to know God, okay? We're not going to talk about that, but that's why you're alive. If you don't know God, you are missing the whole point of being alive, okay? You're alive to know God. But there's three other purposes I can see in Scripture for our lives. We covered this last week, but I'll just quickly quickly go over it. One, we have a priesthood purpose, okay? That means that we're all called to be ambassadors for Jesus. We're all called to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers. We're all called to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be his witness on the earth, all of us. You don't have to have a special calling. You are called to make disciples. You, it doesn't matter how old you are. Isaiah is as called as I am to preach the gospel and to advance God's kingdom. Yeah? We, we're, we all have a priesthood purpose. Secondly, you have a personal purpose. We just read some scripture about how God has a plan for your life. And it's for good and not for evil. And the plan that he has for my life is not the same as the one he has for Tom's life. And only I can fulfill the calling on my life. And only Dave can fulfill the calling on his life. No one else can do that for him. Um, and so God has good works for us prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, so we talked about it's important that we ask the Lord, yeah? That we ask him, what are the good plans you've made for my life? Because I want to walk in them. And then we talked about how we all have a purpose in the body of Christ. We're all called to band together and represent the body of Christ on the earth. He is the head all together where the body, if I'm just functioning off by myself, I'm just like an eye or an arm or a finger. I'm not actually connected to the body. And, and we all see in part, the Bible says. So it's so important that we gather together as the family of God, as the body of Christ, because we all see in part. 
Not one person has the full picture. God made it that way because he wants us to need each other. Yeah? So we all have a piece of the puzzle and I have a puzzle here. And if you were here last week, you got a piece of the puzzle. Maybe you picked two because maybe you feel like actually I'm called to like, I've got a few things that the Lord's put on my heart. I have some gifts that I want to serve the body with. Um, so if you didn't get a piece of the puzzle, come see me at the end because I have a piece of the puzzle for you and I want you to take it home and put it somewhere so you can remind yourself. But today, I really wanted to remind us of the authority the church has been given. Okay? The church is a family who has authority. We're the family of God, but we're also the army of God. We're not just saved to be a part of an awesome community of believers and sing Kumbaya. Okay, there's actually a purpose. David Ridley quoted, We are an army dressed for battle that is called to go into darkness to be salt and light. You should write that down. The church is an army called to go into darkness and to be salt and light. All right, let's jump in the word, hey? Ephesians 1. I'm going to keep it pretty short today. Ephesians 1. And we have to start at 16 because this is a huge, massive sentence. And if we don't start there, then it doesn't really make any sense. So we're going to start at um, verse 16. And it's Paul writing and he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So Paul is praying for the Ephesians, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. Oh, you can just like take a deep breath there. That's good news. Hey, I'm not really going to talk about that today. But do you know you can pray that over your life? You should be praying that over your life. Far out. Okay. And what is the measurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the, to the, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Wow. So Jesus is seated in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is named. That means we don't have to be freaked out by anything. Even when we hear of the darkness in Port Keats, we don't have to 
be scared about that. We need to get our fight on and be like, hang on a sec. Jesus is seated in heavenly places far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, and every name that is named. And all things are under his feet. All in the Greek means all, everything, everything is under his feet. So we need to stir ourselves up. We need to wake up to the power and the authority that Jesus has. And and I feel like we need to shake off despair and shake off hopelessness and shake off unbelief. Because my Bible tells me that all things are under the feet of Jesus and that his name is above every name. Sometimes we just have to like preach to ourselves and remind us of the truth. Because it's so easy to look at the news or hear the, the narrative of the world and think, oh, like, why bother? Things are really dark and things are really hard. Man, we have to remember, we have to stir ourselves up in the word. His name is above every name. The name of Jesus above alcoholism. The name of Jesus is above suicide. The name of Jesus is above depression. The name of Jesus is above mental illness. The name of Jesus is above cancer. The name of Jesus is over all sickness and disease. The name of Jesus over COVID. The name of Jesus is over broken families and brokenness and cycles of brokenness. The name of Jesus is over the spirit of this age. The name of Jesus is over evil spirits and even over the devil. The name of Jesus. And we're not called to live a passive life. We're not called to live a passive life. We're called to rise up as part of the army of God who has authority on the earth because Jesus has given it to you. Verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So Jesus is the head. We are the body. All together, we're the body. We have the authority of Jesus. Come on. Remember in Matthew 28, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. What was he saying? I have all the authority. I'm giving it to you so you can go. And he was like, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I'll be with you to the end of the age. And you can do it. He didn't say this, but he's like, you can do it because I have all authority and I've given it to you. Why is it important for us to lock into family? Because we're an army and we're called to hold the line and push back darkness. I need to choose someone. Anamika, can I choose you? Can you jump up? I'm going to choose Anamika to be darkness. 
because she is like the opposite of darkness. She's so sweet and lovely. So if you can just stand here and you can like look at me and you can like... (laughs) I can... Darkness can be like coming towards me, yeah? Just come towards me. <laughs> just, just like channel Grace Higgs. She, I was going to choose Grace to do this because she loves a bit of a role play. Anyway, darkness is coming before me. And I can stand against darkness, right? And I can be like, I have the truth of God's word. And Jesus has given me all authority. And I can be like, I'm going to stand I'm going to, like, tell you where to go. Yeah, you should definitely do that. But how much more, how much better is it when I say, Tom, quick, you're the body. You're part of, you're part of the body. So Tom comes and we link arms and Isaiah comes up. Come on, quick. And someone else that's close by, Sharon, Dave, come on. Come on. So now darkness is trying to advance and now we're holding the line as the body of Christ and we're all locked in, right? And darkness is intimidated. Men, we are one body in Christ and we are united, we're linked together, we're functioning as the body, we're not just seeing like in part, we're seeing in full because we're all together and we're all doing our part and we're not just holding the line now, now we're advancing. Now we're advancing. Now we're pushing back the darkness, yeah? We're pushing it back to the pits of hell where it came from. <laughs> we love you, Anamika, thank you. Anamika. <laughs> Anamika doesn't even know how to glare. She's so filled with the Spirit, filled with Jesus. But do you see what can happen when the body gets its fight on and stops like bickering about stupid stuff that doesn't matter? There's actually a bigger task at hand. Come on, preach it. Yes. We're an army that has authority. Got goosebumps all over. Because the darkness needs to be pushed back. And we're not called to be lone rangers, like pushing it back by ourselves. We're called to lock into family and advance the kingdom. I feel like our value and heart and love for the church, it needs to go up a notch. Because the church is God's plan A. It's God's plan A. It's how he will advance his kingdom on the earth. It was prophesied about Jesus. His government will... Help me. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. There will only be an end to the increase of the government of Jesus when the church sits on its backside and does nothing. One more scripture, yeah? Matthew 16, 15 to 19. Jesus was speaking to his disciples and he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, 
You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Praise God. Peter had a revelation that Jesus was the Christ. He was the Son of God. And, and Jesus was like, he wasn't saying on Peter he would build his church. He was saying on the revelation that he is Christ, I will build my church. And Jesus said he will build it. That means he will. That doesn't mean that you sit back and do nothing, though. He said he will build it, but we can help him. We can be obedient to what he's doing. And we can lean into family where he's planted us. And we can position ourselves to be used by the Lord as a living stone to be built into the body. And then Jesus goes on to say, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. What are gates for? They, they open and shut. They're not really like attacking, are they? Gates are just like open and closing. They let people in or out and they keep people in. And the church of Jesus Christ is, is called to prevail over the gates of hell. We're more powerful than the gates of hell. Imagine if they couldn't open anymore. Imagine if the church rose up and there was just, they couldn't open anymore or let people in. Imagine if we actually went into the darkness and got some people out who were on the brink of hell. That's what we're called to. Let's stop giving away our authority, yeah? It's, it's the time to rise for the church. The time is now. Let's not be asleep. We need to be fully awake and fully aware. And church, you have the keys of the kingdom. The church does. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Death and hell have been defeated and we must unite. It's not an option. We must unite. Lock in as the body with each joint supplying, each doing its part and advance the kingdom. Because if not the church, then who? Who? 
we're a family that's called to be an army, yeah? And gosh, as you leave today, I just want your heart to be stirred and on fire. Because the family of God has authority. And if we have all authority, it means that when we all come to the table and when we all lock in, we're going to see the kingdom of God start to advance. Because we don't just want to hold the line, we want to actually push back the darkness. So how do we apply? I feel like you need to go home and just read those two scriptures like 10 times over and over. Read it out loud, read it in a different translation, pray about it. I'm so not kidding. Just ask the Holy Spirit to minister to your heart through it. And I feel like you need to let the value in your heart for the church rise up a notch. We're not just individuals saved to make it to the end and battle away on our own. We're part of the church who has all authority to defeat the enemy. Number two, you're a soldier in the army. Tom was talking about this. Your life is not your own. You were bought with a price. The blood of Jesus. And yes, he has a plan for your life, but there's a bigger picture that you're a part of. And he's calling you to take your position. He's calling all of us. He's like, step up, take your position and be ready to push back darkness. So ask the Father this week, what's my position? What's my piece of the puzzle? If you haven't already... In our church group, we talked about it and the girls went home for their, their homework and they, they've been seeking the Lord about what's their part to play. What does it look like? I've been so blessed as some of them get back to me like because they've sought the Lord and they've heard from the Lord what, how they're to lock in. And that excites me because I'm like, yes, praise God. He'll show you. He'll show you what your contribution is if you ask him. And three, I just wanted to remind us, because we're an army, it doesn't mean we're not a family. We're both. So lock into family. And one of the best ways to do that is to be in a church group. Because I I personally think we can't come here on a Sunday once a week for two hours and call ourselves a family. Because I don't know what's going on in your life. I I can't, you know, I might have a brief interaction. But man, if we're called to be one, as Jesus is one with with God, I want to like know you a bit deeper than that. (laughs) And that's why we have church groups. So we can so we can go deep. I'm so distracted by what's happening out there. Uh, it's a practical way. Lock into a church group. And I so get it. I so get lives are busy. We've got families, some of us, we've got full-time jobs. It it gets hugely busy. And I know that after a long day of work, probably the last thing you feel like doing is going out. 
but I feel like we need to change our perspective. When I go to my church group, I go to two. So I go to a Monday night one and I go to a Wednesday morning one. When I go, I don't see it as a meeting. I see it as I get to see my family, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I get to pray with them and I get to hear how they're going and we share testimonies and we encounter the Lord together and we get in the Word together and we sharpen each other. Iron sharpens iron. Even when I have to run the group, I'm not like, oh, I've got to run the group tonight. I like leave like inspired by my other sisters that were there and it might have felt like a push to get there but when I leave I feel like yes that was awesome we should do that every night do you know what I mean so I feel like there's a temptation to not do it because it's like life is busy but I'm like would you push past that I'm asking you to push past it Let's lock in. That's how we get to know each other. That's how we pray for one another. That's how we um, disciple, go into disciple. That's where you share, um, sorry, I'm losing my words. That is where you ask those hard questions. If you are struggling, that's a good place to ask questions. It's a good place to say, I've been thinking about this and I'm not sure. Can we talk about it? Uh, It's a good place to get activated into like, Walking in the Spirit too, because we practice hearing God for one another, and it's a safe place. So you get to do that with your brothers or sisters, and then you can go out and do it in real life. So I want to encourage you, join the army, get in a church group. I have one story to end. This um, is a blog post um, by John Bevere, and it landed in my inbox years ago and I've never forgotten it I printed it out but it talks about the family of God being an army and I just hope it speaks to you I think it's weighty I'm just going to read it he writes I'm one in I'm one of many in my generation who has been taught more about our individual walk with Jesus than about how all of us believers are one body Only recently has the reality of this truth about the church become more clear to me. I don't want to mislead you. I've certainly understood this truth in part in the past, but not to the extent I do now. As the Holy Spirit has awakened my awareness to this reality, I've often thought of the naval, sea, air and land teams, commonly known as the Navy SEALs. I have a friend who is a member of these elite warriors, He has been with SEAL teams for 15 years and is currently an instructor. After pondering these truths about the body of Christ for some time, I decided to contact him. I knew SEALs were a close band of brothers, so I wanted to probe deeper. I called him and my first questions were, how do SEALs view and interact each other? How do they produce such a tight-knit community? And what is entailed in their training? His first comment to me, the last person a seal thinks of is himself. I loved how clear and concise he was right out of the gate. I knew it would be a revealing phone call and remain silent so he could continue. We value our brother next to us more than ourselves. 
We never have to cover our backs because we know our seal brothers will. At that point, he started preaching to me. If you look at the sixth chapter of Ephesians, you'll find the armour of God is all forward-facing. Nothing covers our rear side. The reason is that God intends for each of us to do what the seals do, to cover each other's backs, to think as one unit, one body. If we don't operate this way, I only have one person covering my back. However, if we all function as a team, I have every guy in my platoon covering my back. He continued, as a Navy SEAL, everything I do is for the sake of my brother next to me. We believe this to the very core of our being. We are trained not to think of ourselves as individuals, but as a unit. Even though we are trained as expert in different areas, explosives, communications, sniper, medic, JTAC, weapons, breaching and so on, we function as one unit. We never go on mission with we, we never go on a mission with the mentality of some of us may not come back or only 40% of us will make it back. No, our attitude is 100% of us go in and 100% of us come back. I was captivated by what he was revealing. Eventually, I asked, how do you train this attitude into your recruits? You can't, he replied. The basic underwater demolition SEAL training is considered the most arduous, difficult training in the military and is why approximately 90% of those who sign up for the SEAL program either quit or get washed out. What remains is a unit of highly trained, fully equipped individuals. Each one values the man next to him more than himself and is willing to die for a cause bigger than himself. Then he said, John, if only the church would behave this way, what would happen? Sadly, I can only agree. However, the truth is that we do have the potential for this. It is a very real part of the divine nature placed in us when we are born again. The preaching and teaching we receive, which is our training, should locate this attitude and flesh it out. But if we only hear a consumer version of the gospel, we will develop the wrong thing, our unredeemed flesh. This is largely, largely why the modern church is in the shape we are in. Many of us only want to be encouraged and uplifted rather than challenged. We are missing so much. My friend is a warrior. Yet he perceived the weakness of the church in modern times. He knew that if one member of a SEAL platoon was weak, compromised or had abandoned his post, all the team members would suffer as a group or die because of that one person's laziness or incompetence. What is ingrained in him is what we need embedded in our psyche as members of the body of Christ. Let's remember the words of the Apostle Paul. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Philippians 2, 3 to 4. We're all in this together. Let's watch each other's backs. How awesome is that? Isn't that so good? We're a family who is an army called to enforce the authority of Jesus on the earth. Amen? Amen. So I pray your heart's stirred up. Far out. Should we pray? 
Oh, Father, we just thank you for your plan A, the church. Hmm. Thank you that we're an army who has been given all authority to push back darkness. Hmm. And I just pray for each one of us that our value and our love for the church and what's possible would go up a notch, Father. And I pray that you continue to speak to us all about how we can lock in and be the army that you saw when you hung on that cross. And I just thank you for what you're doing in this church family. And I thank you for each of the members, Father. I thank you for every single one. And I pray that you'd bless them this week. I pray that you'd bless them. I pray that they would know you more, Father. I pray that they would go deeper into the things of you, deeper into your heart, Father. I pray for encounters with you over them this week. Grow us up, Father. Grow us up into Christ and help us to be everything that you paid for, Jesus. In Jesus' precious name, all the saints said, Amen.